Hello everyone and welcome back to the new format of the Portsmouth Running Podcast. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey Dave, how are you doing? Hey, I'm alright. I'm alright. How are you? Pretty good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm looking outside and thinking, hmm, not too, not, too, not too sure about the run today, but then I just get all <laughs> excited because the wind and the rain today is going to be pretty epic. So listen, Dave, I'm pretty pretty excited to try this new format today. So I'm, we're, we're hoping it all works out. Um, obviously, I just wanted to kind of like let everybody know what's what's going to happen with the show and how it's going to be different, first of all. So 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 pretty much the show is going to remain exactly the same as it has been, where we're going to have a featured interview. And this week, it's actually with uh, one of the loveliest of runners you'll meet um, and a guy from the Isle of Wight, um, a Hoka employee, actually, funny enough. So we, we did have a good geek out uh, about, about Hoka during the interview, but it's Joe Wade who uh, many runners will know is just a superb runner, really, really quick guy, um, but also just, you know, really modest chap. And uh, it was interesting to kind of hear his story about how he studied uh, in, in the kind of sports and running arena and um, went to university over in London and Texas as well, wow. uh, and how he kind of ended up working for, for Hoka. So that was really good. But on, on top of that, we'll be dipping in and out of some new show segments um, as well that we're going to try. So we've got one called, or what we call at the moment, the the seafront snippets, which is basically where we bump into runners out on the seafront, uh, get to interview them and ask them where they're going, what their names are, what they're what they're up to, what they're training for, um, and then also there's going to be some some kind of other little little segments as well. There's going to be a giveaway at the end of the show, Dave. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. What, what, what's so the, um, the prize? The prize. Or is it a secret? The, the, well. I'll I tell you what, I'll give it away now. But um, but how you get that prize, we'll we'll, we'll keep to the end. But yeah. I've um, it's it's a book actually. It's a running book called Rise of the Ultra Runners. Oh yeah, this is yeah. Uh, by Adnarand Finn, is it? Ad, I, th- I think I'm so I'm <laughs> going to try this. I think it's Ad Adnarand Finn. So right. I'm not. Uh, I think I think that's right, but it's probably not. So, that's but we, we we did our best. <laughs> yeah. I actually did touch base with him first because this is a book that, that obviously I got for myself and read and, and was just yeah found it amazing I don't think you have to really be an ultra runner to to appreciate it because he wasn't at the time of, of writing the book yeah um, but it kind of takes you through his story about how he's really kind of he, he dived and submerged himself into the ultra running world um, as Adrian Finn does always with his books for those who have read Running with the Kenyans or yeah. Way of the Runner he always kind of, you know, he, he he takes his family and kind of really, you know, moves somewhere into a community like when he did with Ken, when he went to Kenya, wow. um, lived with the Kenyans for ages. So he really kind of like dives into the ultra running world and gets to meet some of the some of the elites over in America. And he, it's all about his journey basically to UTMB. So it's how he he kind yeah. of tries his first 30, 30 miler and um, he kind of moves on to the fifty miles and hundred k's and eventually yeah gets to UTMB but yeah it's a fascinating book and I did double check with him uh, that it was okay for me to give away a copy of his book because um, obviously I'd read it myself and I wasn't too sure what the kind of you know what the etiquette is with uh, yeah, you know giving enough. away prizes so but he, he said he was fine with that and um, so that was really kind of him um, yeah brilliant we'll, we'll have to see if we can get some other prizes like from uh, for, for people that'd be uh, maybe some some Portsmouth beer <laughs> yeah, some Portsmouth beer would be good. Some 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 nice coffees. Like I think I think yeah. was was one of your ideas as well. Yeah, but yeah, no, we're, we're definitely going to start working with um some local businesses and stuff, and and hopefully yeah. uh, do do more of this in the future. So it'll be really good. Yeah. So that's kind of how the show is going to be different. Um, but before we we dive into to anything too much and and head over to the interview, which will be our first our first segment, we need to we need to have a chat about coast to coast, Dave. So <laughs> unbelievable result, mate. I mean. 
you went over there. We were laughing and joking about you you winning it as 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 is your your tagline. I'm going to win it. Um, <laughs> but you came second in a 140 yeah. miles to coast race. I wow. Did. Yeah. I well, you know, I, I always go for the win, don't I? And, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, sort of yeah, found myself in second place in with about 50 miles to go. I think it was maybe. So the race, the race itself takes you from Whitehaven in uh, the Lake District in Cumbria. Yep. Then you traverse the Lakeland Fells. Um, well, you, you stick to the cycle path, but it's it's quite lumpy. And then after 50, 60 miles, you, you reach the M6 and go through Penrith. And then you climb up onto the Pennines and you cross the Pennines um, for quite a few miles. Okay. What's uh, that climb up to the Pennines like, Dave? Like, uh, is is it, yeah. is it is it a really long climb, or was it was it steep and, and over quick? No, it was it was long. So you, you can see Heartside for many many miles before you get there, and you, I, I reckon maybe spent six hours staring at the Pennines without without the feeling that they're getting any closer. Okay. <laughs> and then you um, when you get to them you have a climb up on the road up to a place called Heartside, which is a viewpoint. And that, that took a long, long time to get up. Maybe, you know, it's no it's no UTFB climb, but it's probably 2,000 feet, perhaps. So okay. it's a fair while. But um, when I got there, I could see in, in the distance um, a few red flashing blinkers because um, it was a road race and we spent a lot of the time on, on A roads, B roads, that kind of thing. Yeah, you had to have high vis and a flashing light on your back just to make sure that you could be seen. So when I was going up that climb, I could actually see um, a group of people that I that I, I thought had, you know, gone really. And okay. um, it was probably two or three stops after that that I actually managed to pass them. So I passed a couple. There was this uh, I can't remember their names, but they were doing incredibly well. I mean, they were flying from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes me think that perhaps they were a little bit too uh, keen at the start it's not like a runner to do that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I do it all the time um, and and suffer uh, but yeah I managed to pass them probably with just over just under halfway to go and uh, then um, a friend of mine called Guy Bettinson who was was I think in the lead he had dropped out as well at around just over halfway Ah, uh, okay. Um, but I, he's an amazing runner. It, he had an injury and he was pee- peeing blood, which happens. Um, so he he quite sensibly stopped. Um, but he, you know, he has. It, it doesn't have to prove himself. He came third at the spine race and he did uh, forty-one hours at the tunnel, which is just amazing. That's two hundred okay. miles tunnel. Um, so he, you know, he he's a good runner. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, enough, fair enough. But yeah, I, I managed to get into this second place and didn't for the life of me think that I was going to be able to keep it in any way because I was just, you know, it was it's not, not my natural position to be. Mm-hmm. But then I think with about 40 miles to go, there was a chap quite close to me called Steve George who had done done the race three times. Um, he, he's finished Badwater and Sparta, you know, amazing, amazing guy, fascinating, really lovely guy to chat to. So we, yeah. we did a few miles together and Oh, that's good. I was going to ask if you actually managed to get get like some chats in because I know that there weren't that many competitors in this in this stupid race. No, no, <laughs> this brilliant stupid race. Eighteen to twenty starters, I think, and then um, 
uh, about eight finishes. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he was great, and I learned quite a lot, a lot of him just chatting to him for a short while, and we went we went wrong together, so I had to whistle at him down the road just to to get him to come back. <laughs> okay. Is that when Heather rang you? Because we were dot watching uh, through the weekend, and and obviously yeah. we could we could zoom in and see. Because obviously it's, it's you know when you're running you're you're going through some long sections we could see where you'd gone wrong so I remember yeah. chatting to Heather and she's like yeah I've just rang Dave and I think he's he's going back onto the the road that he needs to get to yeah so yeah I, I at first when I went wrong I wasn't really that fussed about it so because you know you feel quite fresh don't you and then mm. towards the end I was just starting to get really wound up every time it went wrong I mean it's so easy to follow but there are some bits where the signing isn't that that great. Um, yeah in a route description which is really really helpful but um still you know it, it's facts of life isn't it that sometimes you go wrong yeah but absolutely you, so i guess with the with, with a route like that you're kind of focusing on like town to town rather than individual paths where it's a smaller race so yeah yeah um but you know in you can't do that race unless you've got a crew because you don't you don't get given anything so yeah a start and you get given a finish and other than that there's there's no support whatsoever so you have to have your own crew but they they are so valuable um i got fed and watered got given like lots of pasta had lots of energy gels my mum had made me some brilliant um energy balls you know like the little sort of almost like protein balls that you can buy uh, it's, uh, it's worth it's worth mentioning that you were crewed by um your your other half heather and yeah. her mum and yeah. her mum as well uh, they were fantastic they, they they didn't moan they didn't like they, they just did everything that that I needed you know and I, I wasn't I don't think I was being too demanding of them but there was nothing was too much trouble for them and yeah how, how often did they uh, meet with you um perhaps like maybe every six miles on average six to ten miles so okay I, I was getting a bit concerned that they needed some sleep so I was saying to them that you know don't meet me at the next stop like go and have some rest and then I'll take an extra bottle of water I'll take an extra bit of food and I'll see you in see at the one after yeah um and they they were brilliant they're so helpful um and I'd get there and they'd, they'd have like given me a bowl of pasta and stuff like that you know it's absolutely mm. awesome yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, it must have been really like a massive relief knowing that they were there because, like you say, you're also not only just on in exposed areas as well, but you've got that kind of added feeling that you're far away from from the paths and trails that you're used to, closer to home. You know, you're in a completely different yeah. part of the country, and yeah, it's um yeah, it's incredible. But Dave, honestly, you did so well. I mean, it was yeah, just we were just rooting for you all weekend and <laughs> cheers. Um, yeah. yeah it was it was it was fantastic when I woke up in the morning it was the first thing I did on my phone was just check where you were and yeah it was yeah it was it was great um well I did the Thames path recently as well didn't I and mm. if I'm, I probably won't do that again so close do two so close together because there's there's no time to kind of catch your breath and get a decent recovery in but I did I did one week of about a 50 mile week in the middle um, okay. and I did a week taper Listen, yeah. I've got to ask you how the how the Hoka Clifton Sixes worked out for you because you wore them for the for the race. Yeah, I mean they're great. Uh, no blisters, uh, didn't change my socks. They were they're perfect and they're really really good shoes. Um, I've had a bit of a got a bit of a love hate relationship with that brand because I've had a few pairs that have fallen to pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
and in quite a short period of time and I started to go over my ankle quite a lot when last time I started wearing them so I don't wear the trail shoes anymore okay but the, the Clifton sixes I mean I think I wore a pair for Grand Union last year yeah um, and they were perfect then so yeah if I think you know if you're going road shoes then you can't really go wrong with them mm, that's good that's good well I'll tell you what that's that's almost like the perfect point to peel off into uh into this week's um feature interview with with Isle of Isle of Wight runner and local hoker legend Joe Wade so we're gonna we're gonna hear yeah. from Joe now and uh I'll, I'll chat to you uh after the interview all right cool welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast everybody I'm really pleased to have our first um, Isle of Wight resident on the show Joe Wade welcome to the show Joe hello it's good to be here Cool. I can hear you now, and I know we had a few kind of technical hiccups, hiccups just now. So um, hopefully everything will um, will remain sound and solid. Great to finally have you on. Big signal in the Isle of Wight, Dan. Yeah, I know. It's um, what's going on over there? <laughs> Too remote. Must, must be those winds. You're not you're not on the south side of the island, are you? Where all the no, well, actually we're in between me between me and you. There's probably only a few miles between us. So yeah, that's true. Excuse. Actually, yeah, and probably shout shout louder across the water or something. Yeah. Um, so how have you been this week and uh, and more importantly how are you um, keeping since your, your family recently grew? Yeah so I've had twins recently so at the moment I'm taking a bit of time off running um, for the first time in I don't know 20 years so mm-hmm. um, yeah no it's good because like, it's totally worth it absolutely love being a dad and and yeah doing all the dad stuff but yeah, it'd be, it'd be good when I can get back to it, but I'm in no rush at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And I guess like with everything being so busy, I guess it kind of helps keep your keep your mind off of it because I know what it's like kind of stopping doing doing the thing we love so much, um, which is running. And uh, yeah, I guess um, you're just kind of twins keeping you busy. Definitely. <laughs> How's the sleep going? Are you getting much of it? Oh, it's getting better now. Yeah, no, it's getting better. They're starting to sleep through um a little bit so yeah it's definitely now we've hit that couple of month mark it's um it's starting to get better but it's still just absolutely relentless so yeah we'll sure well a massive congratulations to you um, i think that's great great Thank for your you. family and stuff so uh, yeah enjoy enjoy the next few months but um obviously you just mentioned that your your training schedule is kind of on pause or you're just getting out whenever you can really so i guess when you're going out at the moment it's just um easy running just enjoying it yeah so I was potentially planning on doing the Isle of Wight marathon this weekend that was always the plan through lockdown but and I was training really well through lockdown I was, it was going really well but I knew that it was training was going to take a hit when when the boys arrived but I yeah took more of a hit than I realized so in the end okay. up until the start of this week I was going to give it a go and just try and get around because I've never ran a marathon before and I just wanted to sort of just support my club's marathon sort of do my first one see what it's like um but I just really haven't done enough and there could be a potential of it going well I guess more of a risk of it going terribly so I I might as well wait until racing starts to get sort of back up and running and I can get the training in yeah I mean it's a it's a a huge commitment isn't it and and obviously like you say the, the marathon's kind of like you know the big one where so much could go wrong if you if you weren't properly prepared um i guess especially going out at the kind of kind of paces and times that, that, that you're running so that that all makes sense but i guess there's good news in it in in that you could um sit at home and watch the london marathon oh yeah definitely i get to spend all morning 
um, watching London now. And we've got a few athletes involved in that with Hoka and a few people that I know. So that's always going to be a good watch, especially if it's so different this year. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I think, am I right in saying that it's um, Hoka athlete Jack Gray who's running? Yes, we have a few. So we have Hoka races, uh, Jack Gray and Aaron Scott running. And then we okay. also have Adam Hickey, who's racing as well. Great. which is good in the men's side and Jenny Nesbitt I believe is pacing the women's side as well so oh, because there'll be yeah there's a few sort of hoker people involved oh that's fantastic that's that's, that's good and I know yeah I know those those hoker athletes and and racers all have pretty pretty active Instagram accounts and stuff so it'll be great to kind of see how their morning goes and and see afterwards how the race went so yeah fantastic so listen as a, as a bet um who's going to take the uh, the men's and women's title <laughs> it's a hard definitely, one definitely Kipchoge um I think I don't know yeah it's obviously been a showdown between him and Bekele but women's I just I wouldn't I wouldn't know it's always for me a bit of a toss-up with the ladies race um I never quite know from a women's perspective um mm. from in the from GB that's I it's more domestic for me I okay. I get I get more interest in in watching the domestic athletes obviously watching the guys running super fast times at the front that's really good but yeah. i like the domestic battles because mm. i think it was um was it charlotte purdue last year who came in first for for gb i think I, I, i'm sure it was charlotte that yeah, came in first last time yeah she ran a fantastic marathon i think women's marathon running in the uk is really starting to do well like with mm. steph moving up and lily doing really well um and with charlotte um, a lot of the old AFD girls that I used to run with, they're all yeah. And there's other girls like Tish and Helen Davies and stuff like that. They're yeah, yeah marathon runs going well at the moment. Brilliant, that's really good. Do you know? Um, it's funny. Charlotte Purdue um is is a runner who I'm I absolutely I'm fascinated with her running style. I think she's just got such a unique um run on her that I I just I really enjoy watching her run because it just it's just it's so different to 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 the, to the running you see most of the runners do you know the kind of like normal style she's got a very unique way of running um i really enjoy well, what what is what is normal when it comes to running styles there were definitely people who sort of quality athletes who have had what people might look at as questionable questionable sort of gait mm. and, uh, but it doesn't make them any less efficient in that sense so Absolutely. If it works yeah. for them then it's cracking yeah, I think it's like a really good, a really good example of that. And uh, yeah, like you say, how it how it doesn't really make a difference how you run, as long as you're comfortable and you're you're turning up the times you want, um, then you know it's all good. I think my coaches gave up telling me to relax my shoulders a long time ago, so <laughs> I run with my shoulders pretty much just underneath my ears. So all right, <laughs> I've seen you in a few videos recently, which we'll come on to later. So uh, so that's it. That's very interesting. So listen, it was great that you joined us for a few miles um, around the around the island. It was about I think it was about three months ago or so we came along there. Uh, I know your wife was close um, to giving birth. Yeah, then. That was one of the last proper runs that I did, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, you say proper run. I know it was really slow for you, but um, it was a really enjoyable day. F fantastic time out. Uh, yeah, it was great. Obviously, I, the, my part in it was relatively small, but the part I played was fun. It was good. Yeah, no, it was it was great. It was great to to run some miles with you, and obviously Dan Williams and Ian Russell over on the island uh, were our tour guides for the day, and they um ensured that we didn't get lost because we we almost time. certainly would have. It was great that, that Dan and Ian could join us and, and it seemed that there was there's such an active um, running community um, on the Isle of Wight. And I know we spoke about it briefly on, on, on the day we ran together. But yeah, t tell me a little bit about the, the running community on the Isle of Wight. 
So at, at least since I moved back from the States, I sort of when I was a youngster, I was just part of Isle of Wight AC and I was unaware of the community beyond that. Whereas coming back from the States and sort of running more on the roads and working with clubs sort of from a work capacity as well. So sort I've of just really realised when I was older how much of a community there was. Ride mm. Harriers, Isle of Wight Roadrunners, West White Roadrunners, even the Gods Hill Massive as well. Um, there's lots of groups and whereas maybe a long time ago there might have been I don't know a bit of ill feeling sort of rivalry between some of the some of the clubs yeah. I feel like now it's in a really good place and they do sort of let's all run together groups so the clubs will run together and park runs really helped with that and you it's hard to go running without saying hello to somebody every couple of miles which is really nice yeah it's great it's lovely it's exactly the same over here in Portsmouth you know I was out this morning and you know bumping into, into other runners and just you know chatting to people you don't know and, and sometimes I'll see somebody wearing a pair of pair of hokers and I'll have a chat with them about them and it's just yeah it's just like such a good such a good vibe when you're outside especially when it's sunny and nice in the in, in the summer as well That's good. yeah um so so Joe listen before we we get digging into your running story. Um, I thought it'd be like good to do a little bit of an introduction for for those that, that don't know you. I'm sure some listeners will. Um, so for those that don't know you, Joe, um, you're, you're from across the water on the Isle of Wight, um, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, you've been coached um, as a competitive runner from a really young age. And, and from what I made out, I'm preparing for the interview. Um, you've been really dedicated to the running pretty much since you started. So you studied here in the UK uh, and then went overseas to Texas, which you, you kind of touched on earlier where you continued to run for about three years while getting your master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think one of our ultra runners actually um, has one of his favorite events over in Texas, some ultra run that he does. But your first pair of Hokers were the Clifton Ones. Uh, and on top of that, you were Hokers' first European ambassador, which is very cool. Uh, you're now a full-time Hoker employee uh, working for, for the brand here in the South. Um, and you continue to smash out like re- some really impressive running times uh, for those on Strava go and check out uh, Joe Wade's um, Strava uh, profile because it's it's very impressive uh, and your goals I guess are to to catch your your speedy twin brother who's run a 63 minute half marathon and a 222 uh, was it a half-assed marathon attempt Joe? Yeah he just he just joined a new club over in Denmark where he lived and he wanted to do Copenhagen marathon but they were really his new coach was coaching him mainly for 10k cross countries to win the Danish cross country champs and the Danish 10k champs as part of the team. And it kind of neglected his marathon training. His longest run was one nineteen miler. And yeah. then he went and ran a two twenty two. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, those kind of times are, you know, it's, it's, it's all, isn't it running like running times are completely relative, but to see something that impressive from, from my point of view, certainly uh, is just wow. Um, and, and, and a half ass marathon attempt as well. That's, that's super impressive. He'll um, take one seriously at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so w- I guess that summary was, was was kind of all accurate. There was nothing incorrect there. Um, is that right? No, that's right. Good, good. Um, and listen, a few of your PBs as well, just so people can kind of get an idea of of your, of your running. Your five k um, PB time is fourteen minutes and thirteen seconds. Yeah. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these afterwards. One mile four oh eight. Yeah, uh, that that can have a correction, but that's probably me reaching. No, no, go, go for it. So we ran in the States, we ran a lot on indoor tracks. And if you run on an unbanked 200 meter track, which we did quite a lot, 
then then there's a conversion rate so my technically my converted mile time was 405 and my converted 800 time was 150 okay so that makes sense okay so yep and those seconds count at, that, at those kind of times well it is, it's, give, it's given me a school record at my american university for the 800 which isn't my event which i still hold so i'm going to wow. try and i'm going to try to hold on to that as long as possible oh gosh that's that's amazing do you ever keep jeff jeff to keep tabs on on when the race has happened just to make sure no one's no one's taken it off of you as the years have gone by not as much but okay. at the end of each season i always sort of have a quick look to see anyone if anyone's beaten it amazing amazing so your, your park run time uh is 1509 which i assume is is over on the isle of whites well which one was it oh uh, yeah yeah no it was just uh along apley seafront okay cool so listen you need to come across at some point and uh try and try and whip up alex Tooton's south sea record that'll be difficult but yeah that'll be good <laughs> <laughs> uh you've got a 10k time of 30 and 6 seconds oh that's so close to 29 joe so close yeah. um 10 mile time of 50.57, again, so close to, to going under 50 minutes. Um, and your half marathon time of 67.22. Yes. I think is right, so that pretty much sums it up. Um, I know some people don't don't kind of keep massive tabs on, on their PBs, but um, hopefully those are, are pretty much pretty much thereabouts. Um, that's some serious running. So, so, Joe, what on earth were you Wade's fed when you were younger? Well, if I'm honest, <laughs> we weren't really. We were nowhere near top of the pack. Um, mm-hmm. growing up we went to the Isle of Wight Athletics Club because my granddad was helping out coaching there and just I don't know strangely I still probably don't know why but we the first time we went there was my granddad's last time there so and then it, but then we just kept on going afterwards so we went at six years old okay. and then and just kept on just kept at it moved up into the older group when we were 11 sort of to the when you're on the track rather than sort of doing relay stuff as a kid and just just did all all of the um disciplines until we realized sort of our body shape wasn't going to be conducive to pole vault or hammer throwing we sort of realized that we were going to be distance runners um and then we just stuck at it just and it was kind of perseverance in the end that ended up sort of creating um sort of a love and motivation for it which then therefore i guess ended up with some good performances only as we became quite a bit older mm. that's amazing that story's that story's kind of like uh, hit not hit a nerve but hit hit like a a nice thing because it's, it's almost like grandfather's kind of handed over the baton with that with that one session he was there uh, and you guys have kind of t- taken over and um and got so into the into the running which is which i think is a great story yeah no yeah it was really good um and it's just been such a such a huge part of sort of our life well, i say me and my brother but like both of us really mm. and um and it's to the point that it just be- ends up just becoming part of your identity and if you don't do it now as an adult if i don't go out for a run i do feel kind of lost at the moment i've got a really good reason not to run so that's fine yeah but i'm sure um in the near future sort of i'll be itching to sort of get back out on the road even if it's just to just to run easy because if i don't do it it just doesn't feel right mm. no i completely get that and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners as well understand that fully so you know we all get taken out and taken away from the running for for reasons all sorts of reasons whether it's injury or or you know family or, or whatever so yeah i completely know what it's like just missing one run sometimes two runs is you know pretty hard work which is crazy really because you know we should really 
you know have have some perspective on it all and um but yeah no it, it definitely makes you enjoy it more when you're out and you and you're healthy and you're able to go out and run so did you have any other passions um as a youngster um i guess it would just be sport in general we played all all sports clubs growing up especially sort of middle school high school we were sort of in football teams we did rounders basketball matches just anything that we could do after school we would do like we used to sort of, remember we used to do field hockey on a wednesday and yeah. then go straight to the track to run afterwards and i had no hamstrings the next day so it was yeah just just we just did everything but it just we if i'm honest the atmosphere friendly family atmosphere that we had at the athletics club was just such a huge aspect in us just wanting to go back constantly we mm-hmm. had so many good mates uh at isle of Wight ac that it was more of a social get together and sort of you got to go and have a run with your mates more than anything and they weren't obviously technically mates from our school sort of they were just sort of for all from around the island so yeah yeah it was just that's what sort of ended up keeping us in it and strangely there were just so many twins as well at one point there were about nine and a half sets of twins at isle of Wight ac <laughs> wow um just there's, some, there's something in the water um on the island when it comes to twins yeah and what's then, going on there <laughs> yeah and they all tend to be decent runners as well so wow that's amazing so are there still some 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 twins over there that that run uh, like you guys that are still running to this day uh well scott edgington who's uh one of the managers at alton sports yep. he's a twin who i ran with all through growing up we've had a few who have really come in and out of the sport before us there was Catherine and Bryony frost who were steeplechasers uh running okay. internationally as well um they were quite sort of big in the sport and then after us i know there's there's a young set of twins the Patey twins as well who are coming through who are decent athletes as well so wow. yeah um yeah islands and twins i need to i need to i need to get some uh some bottled water or something from the isle of wight <laughs> i think joe because i think that's gonna <laughs> gonna help me train or something so listen was was there a lot of um good rivalry between yourself and and your brother um was it was it quite was it quite fun was it um did you spur each other on to train harder uh yes and no i think we weren't competitive when it came to sort of anything to do with training really but i think more than anything when it came to racing we did growing up at least we did avoid each other sort of if just i mean if anything it was for points so if one of us would do an 800 and a 3k the other one might have done the 1500 and a 400 or something like that just so we weren't all packed in the same events but at the same time it was kind of nice to sort of have your own event rather than sort of have that rivalry with your brother but then as you get older as you get older you just end up racing each other and they're just another opponent really um he definitely threw his toys out the pram a few times when i beat him but (laughs) i I tended to be a little bit more relaxed but uh, all in all yeah just more friendly rivalry he's a lot better than me now so i can't be too (laughs) too competitive with him I'm sure you. I'm sure you still can. I'm sure you could. You could. You could get him on on uh, on some distances. Come on, with with a bit more with a bit more training and stuff, you'll uh, you take it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So listen, I I know stories aren't much like without the people that we have around us and stuff. And I know you've mentioned you know running with the club and just how that kind of like had the very kind of family feel to it and stuff. So who who were and and maybe who are now even still 
um, the influential uh, runners and you know family members and friends and stuff that played a part in your running career? Well, obviously, um, parents just took me down twice a week, every week, and lots of driving. Uh, yeah, just you don't obviously you don't realise as a kid. You just think that's normal, and now you've got kids, and then you just think, oh, so they gave up a lot to sort of drive us around the country to do these races. Um, so that was just really appreciative of them. Um, yeah. But from a from an actual club point of view. Uh, one of the main guys at the club called Ray Scovel was always sort of a really positive figure within the club and still is now. And he's an absolutely great man. And, but the person who really sort of spurred me and my brother on to sort of be better athletes was our coach, Jeff Watkin, who's still my coach now. He's been coaching me since I was about 12 and now I'm 31 and he's still my coach. And he's, he's an absolutely quality coach and a really good guy. And he's the one who, said to us look if you want to take running seriously then you need to do this that and that and you need to run during the week you can't just come to the track and do a session and then think you're going to run well um you need to put in the work and and we had a few of these chats through the years um at certain intervals um when we first went to his group when we when we went to university for the first time it was yep you need to sort of put in a little bit more work and then same with going to America as well. And since I've come back, he's coached me through the whole thing. And if anything, yeah, he's just, he's just a really good friend as well as coach now. Mm -hmm. And he's, it's not just Islanders that he coaches as well. He's, he's a really respected figure sort of within the UK and England athletics. And to have that type, that sort of quality of coach sort of on the Isle of Wight and being involved in my running for so long is just a complete blessing. Yeah, that's good, and and that kind of that, that long that longevity between you know, with the relationship that you've had with him, and he's kind of watched you grow as a runner, must be uh, must be pretty valuable to you as well. Oh no, definitely. He knows he he knows me inside out, and he knows when I'm when I'm gonna sort of take a race too hard, or if what I need to do in in sessions, if I need to slow down, speed up, or even just from a personal sort of personal side of things, sort of if I've got something going on sort of in, in my life outside of running and he knows that could affect the running he'll affect he'll change the training to to help that so yeah, yeah he's he's really he's really good and he's That's he's great. probably been he's probably been one of the most positive people well if not the most positive person in me still running now wow amazing well i, I, I did look um jeff up a little bit just obviously i have to do a bit of research for these um mm -hmm. for these interviews and stuff and I'd, I'd read that he'd, he'd moved um, to the Isle of Wight in the 60s, I think it was. Um, but he also worked, as you mentioned earlier, for, uh, is, it, is it British Athletics? Is the, uh, the, yeah, the watch, uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah, British Athletics now, yeah. Um, yeah, he's done done bits for them as well. Yeah, and he's, um, the, the one the one thing that really stood out, which I was, I was going to just ask about very, very quickly, was that he's um, in the Philippines National Marathon Squad. Did you know that? I should have. <laughs> it's fine. No, no, it's, um, it's just it's something that stood out on uh, on the internet, and I was like, I was going to ask about it. But he, I mean, he's a he's a really good marathon runner himself. I think he's he's run a two thirty one marathon. Um, yep. Was a school teacher, so yeah, just I mean, he sounds like a sounds like a really um really top coach to have, and the fact that you've got that relationship over those years is is just phenomenal. So yeah, it's great. And he, I mean, he's he's also very outspoken about um uh cheating and uh taking drugs in in sport <laughs> oh yeah he doesn't yeah he doesn't like any of that any any type of unfair advantage then yeah he's 
not keen on that. So even with the Isle of Wight Marathon this weekend, he's made it really clear to all of our all of the guys in our group who are doing it. Mm-hmm. You mustn't take mustn't take drinks from bikes. Mustn't take drinks from bikes because obviously we can't have a proper water station or anything like that. Because he really doesn't want somebody who doesn't have that luxury to be disadvantaged. So yeah. Uh, wow. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Those those little things here that kind of say a lot about someone's character. I think so. That's that's great. I think it's important to kind of ask those questions about you know people who have who have influenced your running and and because it's you know like you say they just have such a, a massive impact. Um, on your life so yeah just interesting to look up a little bit a little bit of details about um about jeff so there you go shout out to jeff yeah so it's fair to say i mean you raced a lot as a youngster um which which races and and results stand out for you because obviously we can't we can't cover it all okay um i guess sort of as a real junior um athlete we did a lot of indoor athletics as well and probably the first the first time i ever won something that was I don't know sort of a national title in that sense was probably a bit of a joke event but for me at the time was just huge so me my brother and two other sort of runners from the island who just completely don't run now Mm -hmm. um we we did the circuit relay at the national champs at the Inflorindo Athletics for Hampshire and Isle of Wight we won it and um so that was the first national medal that I ever won so that was like the first thing that I ever really felt felt like I was a decent athlete really and um because no, normally I was nowhere near that um just turns out I could do speed bounce and run under tunnels quite quickly <laughs> but um but from I guess more as a serious athlete the first thing that I really did well in was uh I came third at English schools when I was in my senior year okay. it was always a bit of a struggle getting into English schools for me and I know a couple of times Jeff worked his magic to get me on the team even though I was maybe a couple of seconds out from getting the qualifying time but then in my last year I just just had one of those races where I got to the last 200 meters and absolutely stormed through and dipped a lad on um on the line to get a a bronze medal in English schools and as a as an athlete of that age there's probably not much sort of not much bigger than sort of doing well at English schools so that was huge for me fantastic that's really good I know um you know, I hope you don't mind me saying and uh, saying on on the show, but YouTube's got quite a few of your races on, as I as I found out preparing for the interview. So it was uh, it was interesting yeah. looking back and seeing some of your. I think there was quite a few um, clips of you running co- uh, some cross country races, uh, and also I think it was the 800 meter race you won at the World Island Youth Games, which I didn't even know existed. So that was that oh, was interesting. Yeah, there's, there's that as well. So as as part of sort of as being an islander. Sort of when I first sort of took athlete, athletics seriously, when I went into Jeff's group, with there was the the World Island Youth Games, and that was what we got picked for as a 12, 13 year old, and to go to oh, Canary Islands, sort of I can't remember which one, and um and we raced out there, and but and then as an adult there are the the Island Games, and yeah it's just islands from around the world i think in terms of the way that they like to bill it would be you've got the olympics you've got the europeans and worlds and then you've got sort of commonwealths underneath that mm-hmm. and then underneath that they would like to sort of build themselves as sort of a global event that islands compete in so from a uk perspective you've got sort of different scottish islands you've got anglesey or yinnismon um, yep. you've got guernsey and jersey isle of Wight, um and then you've got bermuda st helena um oh, wow. 
road roads um yeah so there's lots of lots of different islands that compete and it can be um quite a good quality mm-hmm. um and i did my first one when i was 18 years old in Rhodes. then when i was 20 we went to orland in sort of an finnish island and then mm-hmm. my last one that i did in 2012 was uh the isle of wight so it was nice to do my last one there i'd have liked to have done more but yeah. just life and and whatnot one of them was in bermuda and was just a bit too far to go to okay. uh, but such a fantastic thing to be part of and as an island athlete across multiple sports it's it's a thing to sort of aspire to go to as well mm, that sounds sounds brilliant great great opportunity for you to uh have, have raced in those so fantastic and i've done i've done all right in them as well which is always fun mm. well it was, it was interesting hearing and, and, and kind of seeing them because when you first when you first wrote to me um you know i had to look it up and i thought oh what, what's that world island youth game so i kind of went on saw the websites saw some of the races it was like yeah okay this this exists this is um good learning experience so yeah so joe post um post school you attended saint mary's uni um in london and um, before you headed off to to texas at, at lamar university if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that correctly yeah that's uh, right can you take us through that period, um, like what you decided to study and, and how you kind of ended up uh, in sunny Texas? So we went to St. Mary's because it's just it's one of the well, at least at the time, it was one of the endurance hubs um, in the country, sort of along with Birmingham and Loughborough. Mm-hmm. And our coach said, if you want to if you want, you can go anywhere you want. But he said, if you do want to sort of really focus on your running, then a place like St. Mary's would be a very good place to do it with Bushy Park, Richmond Park on your doorstep, some quality coaches there with Mick Woods and Craig Winrow. And at the time, Jeff and Mick were sort of very close as well. So I could still be coached by Jeff, but but I would do Mick sessions. And he okay. was and is one of the sort of coaches at Aldershot. So I moved from Isle of Wight AC to Aldershot. And I was, I was with them for probably 14 years, I think, with, at Aldershot. Um, just competing for the club and so I would so it really it was a big step up in training because we went from being sort of me and Tom sort of two of the better athletes of our age group on the island and doing well but and then moving off the island and going to a hub of some of the best athletes in the country was a bit of a shock really I can imagine yeah and it, it was a yeah, it was a kick up the arse to sort of think, oh yeah, we're actually we actually don't do a lot of training. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So we had yeah. to so we really had to step it up and really throughout university we were kind of mid pack athletes. We had some really good performances. Um, but I also had some stinkers as well. So right. um but it was if anything, that was a really good um step up and we made some obviously really great friends and I did strength and conditioning um, as a degree, which was really good as well. It was pretty much a bit like sports science, but a little bit more focused into one direction, which was nice. Um, okay. But I was I was in a class with like Steph Twell, um, which which was good. Like Steph was a good mate at uni, and yeah. with our athletes, uh, we had Mitch Goose and and Ben Lindsay sort of in our class as well, and who were training partners, and they were both perennial sort of GB athletes as well. So. I don't know. You just you just rubbing shoulders with with athletes just constantly, mm. um, whether they're older than you, younger than you. Sort of you'd be on the track and sort of you end up being sort of good mates with 
Andrew Osagi, who's won 4,300 meter you're on a sort of Olympic sort of finalist, and Andy Vernon, who obviously everyone knows Vernon, especially in your area. Um, yep. So, yeah, no, it was, it was just such a good atmosphere to be in. Mm. And then when, when we got to the end of that three years of being in halls and sort of living that athlete life, you just have to no, go, no partying go. whatsoever because you were obviously running. <laughs> Yes and no. Um, yep. I was. I've never been. Maybe when I was a bit younger, but even for uni, I was never sort of a huge partier. I just like to go to gigs more than anything. Okay. So that yeah, was sort yeah. of, that's what I ended up doing when I was at uni. Um, but when we got to the end of that, and you sort of live in the life, and then you think, oh shit, I've got a, the the real world is kind of knocking at my door. How do I postpone that? Um, and that's when my brother ended up getting an offer to go to Lamar after his second year of university. They said, oh, well, keep us in mind because Tom always did well at the British University Championships over steeplechase. Okay. So they kept in contact with him at the end of the third year. Tom said, oh, are you still interested? And they said, yep, if you can come. So at that point, sort of, I sort of decided while well, we both did that maybe we'd sort of cut the tether between us and we'll both go in different places. Okay. So, so me, me and another, me and a mate of mine, um, our, our best mate from uni, Mark Woodley, me and Mark decided to get the email addresses of every division one school in the NCAA, which was a huge task, wow. and, uh, which was three, 300 schools. And, um, and we split it in half and, I think we, we emailed every single one pretending to be Craig Winrow, who was one of the coaches at St. Mary's, to give it more credibility. <laughs> say, do, you, do, you have any, do you have any scholarship spots? And probably out of about 300, we probably got, I don't know, 10, 15 back. And I don't, don't know if any of them really offered us sort of full scholarships. Okay. So it got to that point, we were sort of thinking about what we would do. And then in the end, Tom just said, my brother just said to the coach at Lamar, Shall I just ask him about you both there? So I said, "Oh, go on then. Like, we'll do that." So then the coach, Jake Stewart, who was at Lamar, when he received that email, just said, "You've got a twin." <laughs> he had no idea that Tom was even a twin or that I wow. even existed. So okay. he said, "Yep." He said, "Yep, we'll have you both like sign, sort it out. Let's do it." Wow. And then they ended up they, and, they, they, and they took Mark as well. So me, my brother, and our best friend ended up going out to the same university in Texas. That's that's, ama- that's that's unbelievable. Like, what are the chances of that happening? I know it was, it was, and we were really lucky as well because Lamar was an absolutely great place for us. That's where we really kicked on as athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we ended up, you end up having that respect for the university because they're paying thousands for you to be there. The only thing we had to pay for were, were our flights to get there and back, but accommodation, living um and everything was paid for when we we're out there really um so you end up just thinking wow i better put everything i can into this because if i don't they'll either send me home because it's the ncaa can be ruthless okay or yeah or they'll I just won't get picked for teams or anything like that so you have to put it in and then that's where we really stepped up mileage that's when we entered sort of doing long tempos sort of eight to ten mile tempos um and just we just built our strength because we're always sort of quite skinny, quick athletes, but we never had the endurance. And that was a place where we could really focus on doing that. And we went from being mid-pack at St. Mary's to being 
sort of one of the better athletes at Lamar. So it was just, I guess, from an ego perspective in the nicest sense, it was just nice to sort of have that and sort yeah. of and to, and to do, be doing quite well in the team. And it was just fantastic for us. We, we were in the Southland Conference and we won sort of between me and Tom, we won loads of titles there. Um, we made it to the NCAAs a couple of times and made it to the NCAA finals one year as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a really fruitful time for us as athletes. And again, met great people um, and good athletes and learned a different way of training. Okay. Wow. Gosh, that, that's that's an amazing story. And I, I love I love the way you guys did the uh, splitting of the emails up to try and <laughs> pretending to be somebody asking about uh, about those uh, places at those unis and stuff. That's that's brilliant. That's that's genius work. <laughs> it ultimately did not work though. <laughs> ultimately, had yeah, to jump yeah, on, but it's um jump on the bandwagon with my brother. But it was yeah, it was funny at the time. Yeah, that's really good. Where, where I work at the moment, they have this kind of like program where they say like you know if you if you achieve something by doing a by doing a really strange thing or you don't quite necessarily follow the rules um you'll seem to you'll seem to be a wild duck which is like a good thing so i think that was a very kind of like wild duck thing to do so <laughs> fantastic um so listen you spent three years there um what qualification did you come out with again joe oh so i did uh, a master's in kinesiology out there which is i don't know again this is open to interpretation of how sort of you want to put it but in uk perspective that would be the study of human movement which sounds really clever and a great thing to have but in reality it was kind of an extension of doing a sports science degree over here okay um the the american system is brilliant but very different so you would do three four years as an undergrad if, if that's if you go in as a true freshman okay. and but you have to take classes you have to take classes in things that you're not maybe not that into so you you everybody has to do american history everybody has to do some sports classes um one of which are walking for fitness so you just okay. have to go to the track and walk around a track for an hour and then at the end of the semester you have to write a one page double line spaced essay on the cardiovascular benefits of walking which, which is, for you would have been really difficult because you're running yeah and it's about it's about one paragraph worth of it so it just there's a few sort of classes that may seem pretty pointless but then as you go through you take your um you take the classes that are more suited to you and then a master's is probably at least in our our degree was about level with what a degree would be in this country so we sort of we ended up coming away with 4.0 gpas which is the highest you can get um which is really good but right. we, we we always sort of took university relatively serious as well. So sort of we didn't ever use it as a bit of a, oh, I'm here for running. I don't really care about the degree. So we always took that seriously and we we kept our 4.0 GPAs, which is good. And then I managed to wangle a third year, which my brother didn't choose to do in the end. And then I did one year of nutrition at the end. Okay. Wow. So you've got a good kind of all round uh all round kind of like knowledge about running and stuff like from nutrition to strength and conditioning to what was it kinesiology kinesiology yeah a sort of just a perennial student okay wow amazing absolutely but what sounds like um you know the trip over there was was worthwhile and i just love how that story kind of came together 
um, just these these moments in life that you these opportunities you grab that just have such an impact on your life is uh, is amazing. So listen, you, you you studied there, you came back. Um, I know you said that you you did a, a massage qualification over here, which I bet came in very handy for a lot of your your running friends. Um, you worked at a CrossFit gym for a few years, um, where I assume kind of like your strength and conditioning uh, knowledge came along. But what I was going to ask about next was was during this time you'd managed to um, buy yourself a, a pair of the Hoka Clifton Ones. Um, so I was going to ask how a runner like yourself at the time, where I assume kind of Hoka at, the, at that time must have been going completely, obviously when they started at different routes to perhaps maybe some of the shoes that you'd, you'd been traditionally running in before. So how did you come about to to try on those Hoka shoes for the first time? So as, um, as, as a therapist I would, and, a, and a runner, so if you're always looking at sort of articles and stuff like that, and then I started seeing more and more about Hoka and I saw Leo Manzano was wearing them after he was, it was a Nike athlete at 2012 and came second, or at least he ended up with a silver medal and then Nike dropped him, which was shocking for the 1500. And then okay. he ended up getting, he had bad plantar fascia um, issues. And I think he may have missed a season because of injury. And then he got picked up by Hoka and then started running again and running really well. And I was just thinking, okay. And I saw a few, um, a few articles of him saying that the Hoka's really helped him with his plantar fascia because of the rocking system of the shoe and the and the soft cushion. Um, he said it wasn't purely the shoe in that sense, but he said the shoes really helped. So that's yeah. what made me think. Oh well, I'll, I've, I've, I, at the time I had a really, I still have it now. Really, it's been I've had it for ten years, but a bad calf that just gets really tight almost feels compartment syndrome sort of gets quite a tight feeling so I bought them and I was on and off running for about five months at that point because of the injury and I bought them and straight away out of the box I could just go out and run six miles at six minute pace okay and and at the time I was only able to either run three miles at a decent pace or run longer but a lot slower so I had to either choose pace or distance so when it came to running I couldn't do both at the same time yeah. So and then yeah. after getting those Clifton ones, I, I all of a sudden could, and it didn't, it hasn't got my got rid of my that sort of problem that I've got in, yeah, not a not a miracle cure, but um, yeah. it certainly helped me manage it throughout this whole time, and now I never really have a problem with it. So that sort of in in terms of therapy and working in the CrossFit gym doing massage, I ended up, and I, I ended up sort of telling people just to give them a go. Yeah. And it ended up so love running the the store on the on the Isle of Wight were unsure about the shoe at the time when I said, look, I'd like to buy them from you if possible. Um, not really knowing the business at all, how it worked at the time, probably would have been hard for them to just get a single pair. Yeah. But um, yeah. they said, oh, we're, we're a bit on. It's a new shoe. We're a bit unsure about it. So I said, OK, that's fine. And then after speaking to clients and more and more people wearing them, they ended up getting getting hold of the getting hold of the company and buying in the shoes and then once they did they messaged me and said joe i just want to say they're absolutely fantastic we love them and so mm. then ever since they've been sort of in the top one or two selling brands on the isle of Wight. okay wow okay so interesting story so uh, yeah that kind of kind of answers my question really about how you ended up uh, in a in a pair of them because i was i was curious about you know the running you'd be doing and then ending up in a pair of hokers especially at the time i guess where 
they kind of all seem to be this this huge cushioning shoe so it would have been a little bit different to to what you traditionally run in but that's that's good at, so, at the time everything was going minimalist so you had yeah exactly Vib- yeah, vibram yeah. shoes um they call them the five finger shoes even mm. though they're those but yeah they had all of the barefoot running ideologies were so popular you had nike freeze which were therefore very popular you had new balance having the minimus shoe which were very popular yeah. and then we came out with a shoe and it was just against the norm yeah which it was, was definitely bold yeah yeah, yeah. For sure so listen i'm the i want to i want to clear something the the elephant in the room I'll, I'll call it but um there's a lot of different pronunciations uh of of the company hoka um, obviously, it's said differently, like in different nationalities, with people with different accents and, and different places around the world. But, um, you know, obviously, people have been hearing us pronounce pronounce it Hoka One One. It's not Hoka One One or Hoka One One, which you hear often. Yes, you do. So it's what I say when I'm doing my trainings. I try to make things simple but complicated in the sense <laughs> that we're a French company, first and foremost. Yeah. But the founders came up with the idea when they were mountain running in New Zealand. So Hokarone One is Maori that's loosely translated to to fly over the earth. Mm-hmm. But we've after a few years of trading, we were taken over by an American firm called Deckers. So we're a French company with a Maori name that's got a huge American influence. Okay. So yeah, so easy, yeah, not complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I love I love the tagline um, flying over the earth, and I, and I know um, Hocker's tagline, obviously, time to fly. It just it just goes so nicely and so naturally into you know a, a lot of what you see Hoka posting about and the Hoka athletes, and it's just everything just kind of seems very very natural with the company. But I know from Joe, I don't know if you remember my story. Like I personally like believe that the shoe actually saved my ultra running because I was having loads of like lower leg issues and bone issues, and I was suffering from couple of stress fractures uh, just from yep. kind of upping upping my mileage recently so so similar to you after i first um started using my shoes though those those issues kind of went away um but yeah no it's um yeah certainly interesting but before we um dig into your role uh, and i didn't want to want to put you on the spot do you know a little bit of history about um the runners i think it's nicolas mamoud and jean-luc diard who who started the company originally yeah so they were both they were both involved with Salomon and then they but they had this concept of Hoka that they wanted to pursue. So they so they did. So they left Salomon and pursued it as Hoka in its own right. But their their background wasn't necessarily solely with running. They were both they were both big into skiing and they liked downhill gravity sports. So they liked they liked that feeling of effortlessness sort of especially downhill and they wanted to try and make they wanted to try and make running easier and more fun for more people because they fully understand that running is hard like running's not an easy thing to do yeah um and they just wanted to create a shoe that could get more people into it and if it meant at the time creating a shoe that was very different to the normal shoes that are out there then that's what they did and it worked mm-hmm. and they tested people in their first prototype and timed them sort of on a loop so they didn't know how fast they were going and on the prototype they found that it was just as fast if not faster than the brands that they were testing it against so they knew they had something they knew they had something to go with and mm. and, then, and it just sort of 
snowballed from there really fantastic yeah i've seen a i know i think there's a couple of videos on youtube as well where you can kind of get to hear their story um and obviously see see that in with some visuals and stuff and yeah i think it's uh it just i think the there's something about the the brand that encompasses kind of like the spirit of running for me i don't know if i don't know if you're the same it's just very kind of mountainous obviously born on the trails um yeah it's just it just just something about it feels right uh which, is, which is great which is why which is why i love that story because it just it's really kind of at the heart of it and, and, and the soul of it um it's just you, a very accessible it's just a very accessible brand for everybody we have that yeah. heritage on the trails and with the ultra marathons and i feel like we've if we if we cracked making a shoe for almost the hardest running that you can do then the shoe's gonna be the shoe's gonna work for people doing anything else so yeah. just as much as somebody doing utmb the shoe's gonna really work for somebody doing couch to 5k because at the end of the day you've got you've got a comfortable shoe with a rocking system that's going to push you forward mm. and if that if somebody's a very new runner would you want anything else I'd, no. yeah absolutely so listen you work you now work for for hoka and ana um you're a field support representative if, I, if i've got that right um mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about how that opportunity came about for you and, and maybe a little bit about, about your role? Yeah, so after wearing hokers for, I can't remember what it was, a year or maybe two, maybe just a year, um, love running the store in the Isle of Wight said that a rep was coming over to to do a test evening with the Isle of Wight Roadrunners. And if I wanted to come, then I should yeah come and just be a bit because I helped in sort of bringing Hoka to the island in that sense sort of along with them and um so I thought yeah I'll take the take the evening off work and sort of go and have a run sort of with the Isle of Wight Roadrunners and test out maybe a shoe that I haven't got and then it ends up sort of the rep was there and his name was Jack and I was just chatting to him and it just turns out that I went to university with his older brother okay well. which is really I'm used to the degree of separation being small on the Isle of Wight let alone sort of the country <laughs> yeah. so, so that was just that was just pretty random and I ran with him for the whole time we just chatted and at the end of it I said that if he needed any help um, at any events that they were doing then just as just sort of as a lover of the brand I'd sort of be happy to help out and he okay. that's when he said well actually we're thinking about or we are going to start having brand ambassadors sort of based around the country and gave me his card and said just get in contact and we'll try and work it out and it's sort of that's and that's that's sort of how I got involved in the company in the end they I was made an ambassador I worked I worked events like London Marathon with with him and other staff and London Tri Show and then smaller events as well sort of that I did on my own um sort of smaller 10ks in Regent's Park and just bits and pieces he gave me sort of a bit of a license every so often to do an event I remember when it did one with the Denmead Striders as well. Um, okay. Yeah, so I ended up getting into it that way. And then after about a year, year and a half of doing that, he moved into the sales side of things, which left his job open. And it was either going to go one or two ways there. They were either going to think, oh, we'll stop doing the FSR program. Or they would think, no, it's ne- it's a necessity and we'll reemploy. So after a few months, they they decided that instead of having a northern and a southern rep, which Jack was the southern rep, 
his region was Sheffield and below, which is just crazy. I'm glad okay. I didn't have that region. Um, but then then they they employed me. I ended up having his job um, as the Southern tech rep, and then they employed a Midlands rep and a Northern rep as well. Okay. Which, yeah, in the end, I I know now the next difference. So I I the Midlands rep is called Matt Jackson, and he ended up he was a Lamar athlete as well, but he went the year he came in the year after I left. So okay. I left Lamar, and then he came in, spent two years there, and then left, and then after working in a store for a bit, sort of ended up putting him forward for the job, and he got that. So yeah, we've got a really we've got a really great team of FSRs at the moment, and we just travel around the country training people on the on the brand, um, and doing de- and doing demo events with people. So really, my a lot of the time my job is to just to go to a store and talk about running shoes and go for a run with people so they can try it out. So I get oh. in a bit of training, I get to talk about the thing that I love. So. Yeah. Uh, can't really complain apart from i haven't been able to do that for the past so yeah six seven yeah. months yeah that's true actually yeah with the with the lockdown and everything it's been uh yeah. been a very very different situation but that's great that's uh that's really it's really interesting kind of how how those cards kind of fell into place and and kind of aligned for you which is great um with with the caliber of running that you do joe are you do you represent hoka not only as an employee but as as a pro runner at all or in in any of that kind of sense no no so the way that i promote hoka is through work and i've i've apart from when i was an ambassador at the time i've never i've never been sort of an athlete of theirs um i i tongue-in-cheek tried to get on the on the elite athlete program when i was working at london marathon as an ambassador sort of chucked my name into the hat but i don't think i was ever going to be fast enough in that sense okay um yeah not i've obviously i'll i will never wear anything other than hoka sort of the the thing that i like about working for the brand is i'm not working for the brand just because it was a job that came up Mm -hmm. i'm working for the brand because i chose to run in the shoes and i believe in the shoes and i think they're fantastic and then yeah. that that has created sort of my career path in a sense so i yeah. i love the industry that i work in but i couldn't imagine myself doing it for another brand yeah no i, I completely get that yeah i mean it's like your story just shows that it, you know you it's your own experience of the shoe at the heart of it and that's kind of like how how i guess the passion's kind of grown from there so it's not it's not synthetic at all it's very natural no. uh, which is great um I, you know i've been really really lucky like so lucky and fortunate um enough to be part of the the hoka racer program since since i think it was last year um and and i've been like really great grateful for the support uh and i think like also like a bit of a bit of a confidence boost um with my own running as well um so it, it, i think the i don't know if you know about this joe but the 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 offer to join the program came just after i dnf'd um one of my 100 mile race races last year um so i was pretty down about it anyway and then obviously this email came through and, and i signed up to the to the hoka racer program as well but i think those kind of programs that that hoka offered the the, the professional athletes and and the racers and also i guess the ambassadors as well i think is just fantastic um i think those programs seem to work really great for like certainly from my from my point of view 
Um, and I hope that that Hoka gets something out out of us as well. Um, you know, obviously being, I guess we're all ambassadors um, to the brand effectively. Um, but I love like some of the amazing and diverse running stories that that Hoka always share on social media um, from all over the world. Really, I guess they have the the humans of Hoka tagline uh, and women who fly. So yeah, loads of just like inspiring stories and stuff that that, that you get to hear. But yeah, and no, I think um, do those prog are those programs seen pretty positively from from inside the company? No, definitely. Um, we've as a performance brand. We've always wanted to support athletes from an elite standpoint. So starting small and sort of and growing, I think we've got about 90 athletes in Europe uh, that we sponsor now sort of through Ironman uh, and road mainly. Yeah. But that's always been a big focus for us. But even though we're a performance brand, it's there's performance element from the elite side of things. But when anybody runs, they want to they're trying to perform for themselves, aren't they? So um, it needs to be sort of a brand for everybody. And by having the ambassador program initially, that was fantastic. And we had people working for us as ambassadors at events and wearing the stuff, but their job wasn't necessarily to sort of help. They sort of, they would naturally promote the brand in their communities, but they were sort of working for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the racer program has been, which you're, you're a part of has just been a really sort of welcome addition to that in the sense that you guys aren't working for us we just want to we've got we wanted to find out sort of find local pillars in running communities who love the brand and we want to support that love and confidence in the brand by just helping you guys out with a little bit of kit and product and trying it out and posting about it and just and just shouting about the brand and and if we can support you guys then for supporting us then that's brilliant and it's it's such a pleasure working with the races that I've got in my region because yeah you all, all of you guys are brilliant and it in sort of around this area with you and John as well yeah you you guys are brilliant so easy to work with you especially very easy to work with yeah 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 he's just saying that now aren't you? <laughs> no good no, i'm really kidding no it's, it's, it's been great i think it's like a, a really great kind of like mutual mutual um relationship and you know like i say i i, I know as well i can't speak for for all the races because i don't know them all personally obviously i've had contact with them and stuff but i know certainly from from john and myself we you know just very very passionate about the shoes as well so that's uh it's it's never going to be it's never going to be another brand ever um regardless of what happens in the future so. <laughs> and, and that's 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 first and foremost for me mm. um from bringing somebody on as an ambassador or a racer it's yeah the first and foremost for me is just do they love the brand and if they do and i know and you just know they're 100 percent loyal to the brand then yeah like let's just do as much as we can for that person and and that's worked out um yeah. we have we've got loads of different people on the program from like like we said at the beginning we've got jack and aaron who are doing the on the elite start list of london marathon which is huge amazing yeah and um and so we've got athletes of international quality there but that doesn't mean they're any more important to us than than somebody who is national standard club standard sort of anything like that because at the end of the day like the program says you you'll race and you'll 
and you all perform and that's and if you're all doing that in hoka and doing as best you can then then that's great for us absolutely yeah everyone has a story which is you know partly come coming coming swinging back all the way around to this podcast is why why i started this because you know the the, the runners you meet out and about including yourself and and no matter what kind of caliber you are of a runner there's all everyone's got a story and yeah it's just um just goes to show the diversity in the sport which is great um joe are you allowed to say what your favorite hoka shoe is do you have a favorite are you allowed to <laughs> i know it's going to be all of them but uh what what are you currently no, see, running? see that's the thing like that's the great thing about having such a diverse range in hoka there are mm. shoes that i get on with and there's shoes that i might not but that's just any runner yeah um sure. obviously because all runners are different then there's some that i get on with more than others but but to be honest i haven't found the shoe that i've disliked in the range um but I always yeah. and I'd always say to somebody if if the carbon X ever gets brought up in conversation in training, then I'm sort of a bit of I end up going on a bit of a a bit of a rant about how much I love that shoe. In, mm. in the sense that if I could only run in one shoe for the rest of my life, I'd choose the carbon X because Ooh, I'm a perennial perennial road runner, and it's just so comfortable. But when you want it to be, it's absolutely rapid as well. Yeah. So. Uh, just the carbon x is brilliant um i've had every edition of the clifton that's just sort of my go-to mileage shoe but the other shoe that i just really love is the speed goat because yeah i do run on trails like to a certain degree um not serious enough but i just think that shoe is just so different to anything on the market when it comes to trail shoes and to find sort of such a comfortable trail shoe is brilliant Mm, yeah, really good. Yeah, I've I've run the speed goats for, for for some time now. And previous to that, it was the the challenger. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the speed goats I've I've had I've had great success with. I absolutely love the shoe. But I've recently been trying the Torrent Twos, which I know came out quite recently as well. And I'm I'm liking those. They feel a bit smaller as a shoe, but they they fit really well. Uh, and they they've just got everything underneath them that you'd expect from from a pair of hokers so yeah really really enjoying the torrent twos at the moment but the carbon x like you say it's just yeah super comfy it felt very different for me at first as a shoe because it had it had all the the kind of cushioning underneath that you'd expect but um not not as much of it on the side of the shoe so it was kind of like a little bit kind of reduced over there but the, the certainly the top of the shoe the material that they've used is just like a slipper i mean it fits it's just super comfy they really do fit to the fit to the foot really well and obviously running in them as well. Like I think my my style is better running in the Carbon X. Um, so yeah, just been really enjoying those. Um, for me, if it was any choo- any shoe I could choose uh, to run in all the time, I think it would have to be either the Clifton um, or the Bondi. Yeah, the Bondi is the Bondi is a shoe that I do really like. It's they call it. It's, it's part of the Core Four in America, and um they they've got shoes that they just are just such go-to shoes in the states and the bondi is one of them because in this country the clifton is the go-to shoe for hoka but now other brands tend to be using the cushioned midsole rocking system as well i feel like the bondi would still gives hoka that massive point of difference yeah. um the shoes that are getting closer to the clifton yes, whereas I've now yeah, whereas now the Bondi is it just, yeah, there's nothing like the Bondi. Stack height, really high, super cushioned, really plush, 
just it's just going to get you from A to B in a very comfortable way and just help you doing it with the with the rocking system. It's yeah, it's fantastic shoe. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there with the bond. You're right. It's kind of at the extreme end of the of, of the cushioning and kind of like yeah still differentiates hoka from from a lot of other shoes and i think the same thing can be said certainly from my point of view as well about the the stinson atrs as well they're still a quite a high high shoe maybe a bit firmer than than the bondi's but yeah certainly gives definitely unique shoe for sure but that's the misconception as well with it so with the such high stack height in the shoe like the, in the stinson people mm-hmm. would think that as a almost like a platform shoe you're going to roll off the top of it and do your ankle but with with the active foot frame of sitting within the sole of the shoe, we managed yep. to create an inherently supportive shoe sort of well across the board by sitting within that midsole without having to use heavy materials to then make the shoe stable. So we're kind of two birds with one stone and yeah. make a light but stable shoe sort of across the board. And even though our shoes over the trail may seem unstable, they're probably one of the most stable shoes out there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I found yeah they certainly certainly are stable for me. And um, that 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 um kind of seated the foot kind of seating into the midsole, I guess is is part of the technology that that, that Hoka shouts about as well. Which is the is it is it called the J frame? Uh, so it's called the active foot frame when active you're sat frame. within when when you're sat within the midsole. And then we yep. have shoes uh, called the Arahi and Gaviota from a stability standpoint. Um, have the J frame, so it's a bit of okay. just added material that's on the shoe, which creates what we call dynamic stability. So when you need the support, then it then it will get then it will give it to you. But apart from that, it will still feel like a comfortable neutral shoe. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you people can go and read about some of the technology on the on the, on the websites because I've, I've certainly had a look had a look around there myself. But that. Yeah, for me, what stands out is that EVA midsole material that they've got. That I, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's um, it's a really kind of spongy, soft, provides that really like nice cushion feel to the shoes, which is which is just brilliant on on a lot of the shoes. Um, so yeah, just just absolutely brilliant. But Joe, I was going to ask you another question, which comes up a lot, um, especially these days, with the likes um of companies like Rerun that have started and obviously you know want want uh, clothes and and shoes and and equipment and stuff to be used more um does sustainability come up a, a lot in conversation with like what hoka are doing um to kind of you know, i guess help the environment a little bit yeah no it does so it's it's something that's obviously taking over almost all industries and it's something that all brands are looking at improving mm-hmm. and from a hoka perspective the torrent 2 that you mentioned earlier has got a the material that we use for the upper is called reprieve so it's got a reprieve yarn in it which is made out of recycled materials and the new challenger six which will be dropping soon um it has the same material so that so we're starting to go down the re sort of the recycled materials in in our shoes which is good um in terms of how we sell in product as well so instead of taking a a bag full of shoes to to sell shoes to the retailers then all of that is going to be online now so we're not making models for the sake of it so reducing the amount of samples that we're making okay and um and then the shoes that we then use for for demo events and stuff like that we always look to reuse them in certain aspects as well so whether whether we 
um, donate them or yep. use them for other training purposes, then we'll do that as well. Okay, great. That's, it's, it's good to know because I know like, it, it kind of comes up and you see a lot of conversations online these days about sustainability in shoes. So that's good to know that they're kind of the shoe companies are, I guess all of them are, are working towards of being more sustainable and um, environmentally friendly so that's that's great to hear listen joe i, I don't want to take too much more of your time um i know you've kind of uh, got some goals and and some future races and things you'd, you'd like to do but um and obviously life gets busier and busier as we get older and, and you know you can't do as much as as, as you want to but what, what does the future hold for you in terms of like racing goals bucket lists races you want to do things like that marathon definitely um i'd like to give the marathon a a proper crack at some point um i'm not saying that i'd like to go out and run sort of mid-teens like 215 or anything like that but i'd like to go around the 220 mark really i feel like i can do that um i'd like to reduce my um half marathon time as well i'd like to sort of try to bridge the gap between myself and my brother from 67 to 63 so even I'd, i'd like to run sort of around 65 but I guess ultimate goal, especially working for the company that I work for, is to go into ultras eventually. When I feel like when I feel like I have sort of starting to lose my speed a little bit, I'd like to just go and and do ultras because the best thing about running, like when you go to places, even if I'm even if I'm going to a place and it's not to do with work, uh, not to do with racing. Obviously, I'll still go out and run. I go on holiday somewhere and you, you. you get to see a place so much more when you're when you go out and run oh yeah absolutely and instead of just sort of being isolated in a certain area or wherever you can sort of drive to walk to whatever sort of you really get to see a place when you run and i feel like ultra running just completely embodies that so mm. you can go yeah you can go and run 50 miles somewhere and see more of a more of a place than you would ever normally do so i think adventure advent eventually <laughs> and yeah. eventually um <laughs> yeah. i'd like to do that i'd like to get into Ooh. that at some point excellent job well, I, I, honestly i think i think you do really well obviously having having the background you've, you've had and, and the speed you've had i think you know you'd be you'd be a, a worthy competitor certainly somebody who'd be running many more hours in front of me so <laughs> i look uh, forward my legs to uh, fall apart before that point so we'll see <laughs> it's interesting what you say about holiday joe it's like one of the things i i, I love doing when i when i go away is you know, my, my bag's packed full of my Hoka shoes. I've got like, you know, my boot was full of it when I went away to Dorset recently. Um, in fact, I had to hide all my, my Hoka shoes under by the, by the spare, by the spare wheel and the boot. Um, and you kind of get out of the car on holiday. And, you, and the first thing I do is I kind of look around in the distance thinking, right, I could, I could go there or there's a lovely forest over there or, and, and, and you're right. It just, you, it feels great. You get to see so much more and, and you're just treading all that earth under your feet over, over just immense, just, you know distances and, and and different places and it's just yeah just really really good good for the mind good for the spirit good for the body definitely um joe i always finish these interviews with uh some recovery run questions so these are these are just just a couple of questions here uh do you have a favorite route in or around the portsmouth or the isle of Wight area yeah i, I guess so yeah um it's it just, i guess it just has to be down ride seafront because i've just that's the route that i've always done i couldn't even tell you how many laps of that canoe lake i've done on down apley um perfect k loop uh, yeah that would 
be a stupid amount of laps. So I'd probably just say just a regular route sort of going down to the seafront. And the when the weather's terrible, that's when it's at its best. Yeah. When you've got waves, okay. same same with yourself down oh. um, South Sea Seafront, when you've got the waves absolutely crashing over the wall, um, really high tide, weather's so bad that nobody else is stupid enough to go down there. And then... Yep. And you're just on your own down there, so it's absolutely brilliant. Well, tomorrow at uh, I think about midday, there's there's 40 to 50 mile an hour winds due, so I'm 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 heading out then. <laughs> I might have to squeeze out. Yeah, we'll we'll have like a, it'll be like a mirror between us. You'll you'll I'll be yeah. mirroring what what you're feeling, just um in opposite directions. <laughs> I'll give you a wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you recommend uh, a good book or or film that's running related uh, to to the runners who are listening? Ah. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but Running with the Buffaloes is just oh. a book that sort of I've always sort of wanted to finish. I haven't, I haven't sort of finished it yet, but um, it's about Coach Mark Wetmore um, and the Colorado sort of university team. Um, just I'm just fascinated by um, sort of NCAA sport um, in general, just by how huge it is um, in comparison. It's kind of the opposite to the sport over here in the sense that there is you've got a lot more opportunity post collegiate here than what you ever do in America like you've got clubs and and there's a, a clear route to maybe sort of get sponsorship and being elite in this country but in, in America because it's so big yeah. people live for their collegiate careers and the amount of people that go and watch American football um, events like ran at University of Texas a good few times and the track is right next to the American football stadium, which holds about a hundred thousand people. And that's for a college um, football. So it's just, yeah. So it, it sort of follows um, just a quality coach with um, the university of Colorado um, okay. at a quality university and sort of the athletes who have gone through there as well. That's yeah. It's a good book. Cool. Thanks for that. I haven't heard that one uh, mentioned before, obviously. So uh, being probably being quite an American focused book, but that's great. Thank you. What's your favorite post-race treat after a, after a hard effort, um, whether it's a, a training run or a race? Probably, I just, I like fizzy drinks. <laughs> Coca-Cola, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do like, yeah, it would just be, it would be Coke or Pepsi. More of a Pepsi fan. Okay. Are you, are you a, a big beer drinker, Joe? Not at all. I, I don't, I'm not saying I, I don't drink alcohol, but. I beer is something that I've never had a taste for. So okay. if I drink anything, it's going to be some kind of spiced rum. Okay. So that sounds very, very similar to myself. I, I never, I, I hate, I hate beer, but um, I recently found uh, the Guinness, something called the Guinness West Indies Porter, which is like a very, very dark, strong ale, which I mm. seem to crave after a long run. Uh, and then even more recently, the stuff called Beavertown neck oil, which is just, I mean, it's like, a, it's almost like a lemonade rather than a beer, but it's just so refreshing on a, on a hot day. But yeah. Okay. So, so Coca-Cola is a, as a, as a, as a treat. Yeah, that would, that would tend to, oh, I say, say this as a treat. I'll probably have one every day. So probably not too <laughs> much of a treat, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things I don't eat too unhealthy, but at the same yeah. time, when yeah. you, when you, when you run as much as so when you sort of run in 70 80 miles a week then you need to get the calories in don't you mm, for sure yeah and that for me most That's of the time comes in the form of anyway. caribou yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Listen, Joe, and finally, are there any words um, that you'd like to add uh, about the, the awesome running community down south here where, where we live, especially on the Isle of Wight? Anything you just want to finish off with? Oh, I'll just say if you do live in the south and you haven't taken the sort of the boat over to the Isle of Wight before, you don't have to go too far um, once you're off the boat to find some quality running routes. And yeah. even yeah. if even if you want to come over for a weekend and not do something crazy like Dan did and just do it in one go, but running the coastal route around the island, it's a beautiful place and um, yeah. it's great for it's great for running. And yeah, just come and give it a go. For sure. And I, I recently saw, do you know of Susie Chan, the runner? Yeah, I did. I did see on Instagram that she came over recently. Yeah. She was there this week and saying exactly the same thing. She was like, why don't I come to the Isle of Wight more? It's just half an hour's drive. Quick jump across on the ferry being an expensive ferry. But um, yeah. yeah, so she, she was saying exactly the same. And, and and I love it as well. Now, now that I've run round it, whenever I'm running along South Sea Sea right now, which was, you know, even this morning, just I look across now and I'm like, yep, happy memories. That's a that's a great place to come. So. Joe, I really appreciate it. Listen, thanks, thanks for taking the time to come to the show. Um, it really is like I think it's it's been incredible hearing like just how much focus and dedication you've put into the running, um, and great to share the the Hoka story. So it's been been pretty ins- inspiring, like how you, how you've able to take that passion for the running, and um, especially the brand, and and kind of like grow a career out of it. So, um, and also thanks for all the hard work, and thanks I think all the the Hoka races in the south here that you look after. Um, would like to say thanks as well so i'm going to say it on behalf of them as well so thank you to you and your team you guys make it easy for me it's fine thanks thanks a lot man i really appreciate it and listen all the best and and good luck and i think the best place to leave us would be time to fly yeah cheers joe thanks thanks for having me on mate so we're back after after hearing joe's interview uh, which for us was just a few seconds but um, for everybody else was uh was about an hour Um, you you met joe didn't you 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 met him on the isle of wise yeah yeah um, he seemed like a good guy at the time. I think I was probably a bit in a bit of a hole and being a bit grumpy. But um, yeah, he's uh, obviously a really, really good runner. Um, but listen, while you were uh, finishing your uh, last miles last weekend, uh, Jason and I were out uh, on the South Downs doing our okay. 50k, which yeah, was, was amazing because when we spoke to you in the car, <clears throat> you know, one of the first things you said to us, Dave, which I, <clears throat> I really love about you was, was you know how, how was your guys run like you've just done 140 miles and you're like you're like hey how was your run on the south down so it was very kind of you to ask but <laughs> we we had a we had a we had a good time actually it was a uh, it was a bit miserable for the first kind of three quarters of the run with a lot of wind and stuff but um, I really I really like that route to cocking and back or just just further than cocking and back I think we go about a couple of miles past cocking yeah um, oh, that nice big hill yeah no well you've got you've got a couple there don't you because you kind of dip yeah. into cocking and then out again but yeah it's such a good route and i think it gives you pretty much everything that, that the south downs can give you really i mean the climbs are not that long but they're pretty yeah. they're pretty evil some of them my yeah. my worst one happens to be when you're coming back towards harting down uh, yeah. and you've got that grassy hill to climb up with the cattle grate uh, cattle yeah. grid at, at the top you always moan about that one, don't you? Oh, for some reason, <laughs> I don't know what it is about that about that one, but I, it just gets me every yeah. time. Um, although for that run, we didn't we didn't walk anything. We we ran every Brilliant. every inch of the hills, which was great. That's awesome. You, you know, you're getting you, you're getting fitter when you're doing that kind of thing. Do you know what that that particular bit that 50k to cocking and back? I um I did a couple of times. It always reminds me of um, training for the Western States because. Yeah. In, when when I was doing that, I, it was a really, really hot day. So I thought, right, I'm going to take advantage of this hot day and wear a winter base layer and a waterproof jacket. <laughs> okay. 
and did this 50k and literally I thought I was going to die by the end of it I was so hot <laughs> so <laughs> and um, I must have spent about 10 minutes at that tap at cocking like with my Just head up drinking yeah, it's quite handy actually because you've got you've got the tap at cocking, which is yeah. yeah, it's like just in the perfect place really if you're going to do do a run like that. And then you've also got the tap, which many people don't know about, which is on the way mm. back to QE with about ooh about four or five miles to go. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a little just broken stable, shed stable thing. Yeah, yeah, that um I, I call that tap the lifesaver. That's right. Yeah, it pretty much is because it's yeah, it's just perfect because it's it's kind of normally when you're when you're just about running out of water. Yeah, I mean it's nice to know on the South Downs hundred as well because I think that um, when I, that it always starts to heat up around then, so you can just put your put your head under the tap and get mm, a bit of break. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you what did shock us though, which which kind of almost well, it didn't ruin the day, but it was a bit of a shock at the end getting back into the car park was the the charges that that oh, uh, Queen Elizabeth Country Park are, are charging for cars. It's yeah. nine quid if you go over four hours. No way. Nine quid. But anyway, so we're thinking about getting a, a car car parking pass anyway. But I know I know that you did offer for us to park at um, Harvey HQ, but we um, yeah. we decided we want to start start from QE because it's just that tr- kind of traditional <laughs> run. So yeah, yeah. Well, this this goes out to any listener actually that, that the offer is there that if you want to come to what we call Big Old Bastard Bungalow. Then, <laughs> You may park in my drive for for the old QE parking price of two pounds. Actually, are you are you gonna are you gonna get a high vis on and install a booth at the at the entrance <laughs> of your driveway? Yeah, I'm gonna be really aggressive about it as well. Yeah, just sitting there with a, with a yeah. I'm sure I'm sure within a year you'll be charging nine quid for for a couple of hours. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. I'll, I'll have a brand new booth made out of gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> counting your counting your wealth inside while people drive in and out. Yeah. Hello, peasants. Give me your money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Listen, David. Um, one of the things that was you know that I really wanted to do on the show was get um, Rob Piggott on to chat about his race because he had uh, an event coming up this weekend, which unfortunately has now been cancelled. In fact, it was it was a very very last minute cancellation after he moved away from the seafront to lakeside early last week right so i actually i I did actually spend the time uh, getting rob onto the show and had a nice long chat to him about you know what runners could expect from his race this weekend um what kind of things you know he was asking of runners to do to make the day run smoothly but unfortunately now we can't air it because uh of the cancellation that happened that literally the morning after we recorded um, yeah. So it was very, very sad for that. And I know, you know, a couple of people that I spoke to on the on the seafront, uh, which we'll, you'll hear in a bit, um, we're, we're looking forward to the races. And I, th- I think there were quite a few people doing the pieces of eight. Um, so, yeah, yeah really like sad. A, is that a council decision then, is it? But, but yeah, I believe it was, especially, like especially the little, seafront. It's a bit mean, isn't it? I think like having put all that planning in and then at the last minute to pull the plug on it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I think some sometimes we kind of you know it's it's really easy for for everybody to kind of look around and and blame each other for this and blame each other for that. But actually, there's a little tiny um, virus that we need to blame for this. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's 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 the fault of the bastard virus. It is the big old bastard virus. 
yeah people people make the decisions for for good reasons or, or what they think is good reasons and yeah unfortunately it's just uh there, there are losers at the moment in this game and it's uh it's not been fun so anyway we can't we can't rate we can't air that uh interview and i did tell rob that we weren't going to but perhaps maybe uh when things get a bit easier closer towards the marathon hopefully we can we can get rob back on to to have a chat about that but it might be a good idea now to maybe slip into our um south sea segments uh, South, South Sea Snippets, as, we, as, we can, as we're going to call it. So one of the ideas was, you know, we go running about, Dave, and I know you, you're up in Clanfield now and, and running around the South Downs. You probably get to bump into loads of runners whenever you're out. But, you know, I see quite a few people out on the seafront, you know, sometimes the same faces, sometimes new faces. So I thought it would be great just to kind of, you know, stop people when they're willing. And, and, and I did really feel bad interrupting people's runs. Uh, but, you know, most of the time people are, are, are really keen to come on and just say hello and and yeah, that was the idea, really, just to find out who they are, where they run, because yeah, everyone everyone's training with something or or have got a reason behind their run. So mm. let's go off and uh, and hear from some of the runners on the on the seafront. Awesome. Okay, here down on the South Sea seafront at the moment, near the East Sydney swimming pool, and I'm speaking with uh, James Sharp. Hi, James. How are you doing? You're right. Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah. I believe this is your first uh, run in South Sea because you come up from Waterlooville. Yeah, the first run just to see the sea, a bit of change of scenery, but the wind today uh, should be a bit more challenging. It is indeed. I've just come from that way, and when you get when you come back, you're in for a real treat because it's going to push you. How yeah. far are you doing today? Uh, probably about 5k, maybe 10. See okay. how we get on. Right. Just going to see the scenery, but yeah. Excellent. Are you training for anything in particular? Uh, no, just sort of improve the fitness. I'm in the navy at the moment, so just James, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers. I'm here with uh, two runners who I bumped into um, on Monday this week. And your name is? Uh, my name's Will. And your name is? Steve. Steve, Will, nice to meet you. Um, what are you guys doing today? Uh, so we're just going out for our usual lunchtime uh, run that we try and do uh, normally four or five uh, lunchtimes a week. Brilliant. And uh, enjoying the sun. Oh, it's, it's nice, a bit cold isn't today, isn't it? It's beautiful today. And how about yourself? Yeah. Are you training for anything here? No, no, nothing at the moment. Just, uh, just trying to keep fitness up. Keeping fit, isn't it? Beautiful, Daniel. It's lovely on a day like this. It's just fantastic. So, uh, I wish you guys all the best. And sorry to interrupt your run. No worries. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm here again on the seafront, and I've met up with Gerard Bovwazen, Demi Strider. Demi Strider. So I know a few of the Demi Striders. Actually, I know Gary Armstrong and uh, obviously all those. Yeah. Len Lisa as well. You've gone under the hour for 10 oh, miles. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, under the hour for quite a few times now, but um, the last few years have been uh, pretty with injuries yep yep so um but every single year it always turn up for the great south so on Sunday down the road that's brilliant are you, are you currently a demi strider as well uh yes and no i haven't put in yet but okay i will do by the end of the year anyway but i've done it every year okay so what do you try found a member as a founder member as a founding member right founder oh, brilliant. Member. okay Before so listen come along what, what is your next event uh pieces of eight which is now down at lakeside okay um it's gonna be just run jog walk brilliant. um just get out and enjoy Just it. Just get out and enjoy it. And while well, the Great South Island's cancelled this year, we've still got to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, it's been great to meet you and uh, what a chance opportunity. And uh, yeah, I Appreciate wish you all the best of the running. All right, good luck. Bumped into a couple of runners and interrupted their run, but they've kindly asked, agreed to uh, answer some questions. So who am I speaking with? Uh, it's Becky and? and Sophie. Becky, Sophie, nice to meet you. How far are you going today? Um, Probably about 5k. 5K. Just a nice little... Thursday morning job. And isn't it nice as well? It's absolutely Gorgeous. beautiful. That's a lovely day. It is. You guys training for anything in particular or just uh, just keeping fit? I think just keeping fit, but actually we were talking about it because uh, the plan was the Great South, but obviously that's not on now, so maybe pushing towards something. London Marathon eventually? <laughs> <laughs> you, do you guys know the London Marathon's on this weekend? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and who do you who do you think's gonna win? Kipchoge or Bikelo? I haven't been following it. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to pick one randomly. 
they're two seconds apart obviously they're their fastest marathon time yeah. so it's going to be quite an exciting race so um and what's happening is it all i didn't know that is it all virtually then so everyone's running it in their own the, everyone's doing like, like a virtual run and then there's i think there's about 50 elites or so running in london they're doing like a loop oh. uh race so it's going to be televised um yeah. so yeah fairly big event but thank you very much for your time no much appreciated enjoy the rest of the lovely morning thank, thank you, you Dan. Cheers. Cheers. so yeah thanks to the runners i spoke with uh, do, do you chat much to people at the moment up, up where you are uh not generally do you know i don't really see that many people out when i run because i tend to um do it as a bit of a lunch break thing at work mm. um so there's not really that many people out but you do start to see the same faces don't you i tell you who would be good to chat to do you remember um do you, do you remember that guy with the massive legs that we saw walking up and up and down butser hill last yes year? his name alan yes. oh was it... He wanted to do a um, a vertical kilometre, didn't he, for his 50th or 60th birthday, and there's not an ounce of fat on him, and he he would just like trudge up that bit, but uh, what was it, grandfather's bottom at the back of Butzer Hill? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember him actually. Yeah, if you ever bump into him, have a have a chat with him and see if you can you can get a little recording on your phone. Yeah, it'd be good to find out about him, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. that would. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm I'll aim to bring my to bring my phone out next time we're on the on the South Downs and it's dry yes. uh, and uh, see if we can bump into some some people out there doing some trail running I don't think uh, but yeah it's just it's just fascinating to hear from people and uh and and see what they're up to but what's um what's next on your on your calendar in two minds about doing the South Downs 100 in a month or two uh, what about you what, I, I hear you gave me some news yesterday actually that um is quite exciting for next year Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, I wasn't going to tell anybody that because I, I didn't want any pressure, but we may as well. Um, So I've, I've entered uh, another canal race, which is the Kennet and Avon canal race. Very and I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really going to focus on this one, Dave. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be the one that I finish. Um, I really want to get that that distance under the belt and yeah, just to experience one of those awesome canal races again, because they are they are yeah. really good. They are brilliant. Um, that is a long way, though. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a really long way, but yeah, just take it easy, and uh, I think I'm gonna probably have have a few chats with you to to get some advice because obviously you've got some, yeah. um, some good experience with Grand Union. I, I'm wondering if that clashes with Lakelands because if it doesn't, then I'll definitely come and crew you. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, that would be amazing if you wanted to come and uh, come and be a part of the day, and uh, you could yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe crew for um myself and somebody else has entered as well but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it in case he wants to keep it secret yeah <laughs> so. i know who that might be so listen on on the last bit of the show dave uh, i obviously promised that i was going to be doing a giveaway so here we go oh. right so we're giving away a copy of uh the book called rise of the ultra runner by adrian finn um he's written some incredible running books as we were saying earlier so he he's the author of running with the kenyans um, and Way of the Runner, which I've both read, uh, and, and they're really, really good good books. If you want to win the book, what do you have to do? I, I hear you ask. So, Dave, I don't know, I don't know if you're the same, but you see so many competitions these days um, on online where people have to to tag three friends and like the post and stuff. So I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do any of that bollocks. No. I just, I, because I, I, I hate that. That just makes yeah. me not want to enter at all. And it's, I think it's just a kind of like very synthetic and, and unnatural way of getting followers and stuff. Yeah. So all we want to do is um, we'd like you to write in um, or, or send a private message or even comment on any of the posts or um, or Instagram uh, posts that we put out about the show um, with the reason why you love running. And that's it. That easy. That sounds like, sounds like a good one. 
That sounds all right. And yeah. Dave and I can can maybe get together and, and have a read uh, of those before the next show. So if you could do that in the next kind of week, week and a half, maybe two weeks, um, that'd be fantastic. Um, our email address is portsmouthrunningpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that's all you have to do is just send us a short paragraph, couple of sentences, three sentences, as long as you want, uh, about why you love running. And we'll pick a winner at random and announce them uh, on the next show. Brilliant. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Yeah, I think right. I think that'll be good. Um, a nice book for, for everyone to enjoy before bedtime. <laughs> Dave, anything you want to add before we sign off, mate? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been a delight, though. So thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Dave. And listen, thanks thanks for always coming onto the show and uh, and joining us because I know everyone hears loves hearing about your your antics and your your races and <laughs> and your 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 beers and your your coffees and have you got a coffee at the moment with you? Uh, I've finished my coffee now, but I might I might head out in a bit actually and go to Hunter Oh, you're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> Listen, um, I hope to catch up later. If you if you're out and about um, at lunchtime and you fancy coming experiencing the wind and the high tides, then then let me know. Um, otherwise, I shall speak to you uh, soon. Well, later on this evening. Yeah, brilliant. Take it easy, man. You too, dude. All the best. Bye. Bye.